Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Home is so much more than a house. It's the home of your dreams and for 30 years. They've been making it better. Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. It's Ken Common on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. Send the tweets. Send the hot takes. At Ken Carman, C-A-R-M-A-N. Just had Jason Locking 4 on. Said, hey, I don't know why people are freaking out. They're the one, only one game behind Baltimore, and they beat Baltimore talking about the Browns. Says, quote, the Browns will be right in the playoff hunt come December. Uh, throughout, um, huh, you know, that's some strong stuff. Go ahead and pull down that music there. Uh, thank you very much, Billy Jack. Billy Jack, uh, Billy, I told you to leave the music out one time and now you leave it go for like 15 minutes. I don't understand what you want from me now. It's a slow pull down. It's not that hard. If Ric Flair walks out to the ring during this music. They don't just keep the music going while he's wrestling. All right, so going forward, how long do you want me to leave it on for? Because I, I really am struggling with this now. You know what? If, if, you, if you have to have me tell you, son, maybe this just isn't what it is for you. Wow. <laughs> Thank you very much, Billy Jack. The great Billy Jack on the other side. Um, all right, this is where it is with the Browns here. I, I'm hearing what Jason Lock and Forrest saying. I understand what Jason Locken Forrest is saying. I posted it up on Twitter. There's already a bunch of different opinions here. There's already some strong sentiment each one way or the other. Every win that the Browns get, they've got two. Each one has felt like a gift of sweet life. And what Jason Locken Forrest says is right. Because I think what we've tried to do here is try to skip steps. And that's not the way you're going to be able to do it. And the Browns, every single time they get a chance to do something pretty good, they get punched in the mouth. And that's through the first month and game of the season. Right now, you have a bunch of faces. You do not have a leader with the Cleveland Browns. The Browns have Baker. They have Odell. They have Jarvis Landry. They have Miles Garrett. They have their head coach, Freddie Kitchens. Those guys will sell a lot of tickets. Those guys will draw a lot of money. They'll sell a lot of jerseys. Where's your leadership? When you put that much on one of the youngest teams still in the NFL – You have to grow your leadership. The only way you're going to be able to become leaders is dealing with the adversity you've gone through. San Francisco does have veterans. I know Joe Staley's out, but you do have a guy who's been around a long time and knows what this league's like, who's even played in a Super Bowl like Joe Staley. You've had that in San Francisco. When you got stoned out 
against the Rams, those are guys who played in a Super Bowl. And even though you played decent in that football game and lost, you had guys who have played in a Super Bowl who are veterans, guys who have been there, who've been been to many Pro Bowls, who know what it's like, who knows what it is every single week to be tested. You've been that way. The very first week against Tennessee, Mike Vrabel is a professional head coach, and even he might end up getting fired by the time it's all said and done. Mike Vrabel is a professional head coach, has been in this business and been in the NFL a long time. And right now you are emotional, you're defensive, your faces, you're not leaders. You can have guys that get put up on billboards and put in commercials. You can have guys who, who sell jerseys and who sell merchandise, but you don't have guys who have an identity yet. Your identity is supposed to be your quarterback. Your quarterback's being put on his ass. I think Todd Munkin is either gumming up the works or they need to give it away to Todd Munkin. I can't say for sure because the Browns won't really tell us what he does. Freddie Kitchens is a first-year coach. It was a questionable hire when he took over. Freddie Kitchens is a good guy, but there's times where he seems like he's inept to do the job and it looks like he's in over his head. You have to answer these questions over time. The Cleveland Browns have been far too talented here over the last 18 months to let that get in the way. And I'm already starting to see the trend locally, and I don't want to turn that into the big issue. Because naturally, you're going to blame other factors other than your quarterback. You're going to blame the head coach. You're going to blame the coaching staff. You're going to blame ownership. You're going to blame so many other things. You're going to blame your offensive line, and you'll eventually blame your wide receiver before you blame your quarterback. Baker Mayfield has not been great through the first five games, and I think that's being generous at certain times. But the situation that's picking up about Odell Beckham Jr., I know will turn Odell Beckham Jr. into a scapegoat. It's the natural order of things. But I'm going to fight that every single time through. Since Odell Beckham has got to Cleveland, he's tried to be a good teammate. He has been a good teammate. He's tried to do what's right. Baker Mayfield shared that he was frustrated in the huddle for not getting the ball and they were getting beat. Every wide receiver who has any sort of talent whatsoever is going to express frustrations in the huddle when they're getting beat. Focus on what's important. Your quarterback, your coaching staff, where you're supposed to go. If you're getting in with Odell Beckham Jr., I'll say the same thing about the Cleveland Browns that I'll say about Antonio Brown and the Pittsburgh Steelers and about a lot of other situations. If you're going to, and Antonio Brown's a goofball, but if you're going to turn your failings on your wide receiver, your organization sucks. Your leadership sucks. And the Steelers have been known for being a good organization for quite a while. If you're going to place blame all on Odell Beckham Jr., if you're going to even start to do that, your organization sucks. Your quarterback isn't very good. That's the plain and simple fact of it. And there's been a ton of pressure put on the Browns and a ton of pressure put on Baker Mayfield. When you're out 20 years and you are in the abyss looking for a quarterback, you don't just take that quarterback and turn him into a quarterback. You turn him into the second coming. Those fans have hoped against hope for years. You don't just need a quarterback. You need a guy who is a messiah for you. If I was anywhere else, I'll admit this wholeheartedly. If I was anywhere else, I see what the Browns have done. I see what the Dolphins are doing. I get nervous about advocating in other directions for other football teams. I don't think you have to do that. I don't think you even should do that. And I'll admit, headphones off. You know where I'm at. You know where I'm from. You know where I'll die. And you know what team is my favorite. 
But if I were anywhere else, and knowing that if I was from Chicago, I'd 99% be a Bears fan. If I were from L.A., I'd 99% be a Raiders or a Rams fan. Or if I were from anywhere else, I'd probably be a fan of that team. If I were from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and born in Allegheny County, I would probably be a Steelers fan. But looking at this from the outside and trying to go in, I can only be honest with myself while I hope that it works out because you know me by now. If I were anywhere else, I'd hope this fails. I'd hope this fails. I'd hope that Baker Mayfield's terrible. I hope that Freddie Kitchens is in over his head. I would hope this blows up in their face because it scares me. Because the amount of pressure that we have put on Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns, you can't even breathe. It's suffocating. This is supposed to be a team that goes from, and Jason Locke and Four outlined this. This felt like this was a team that was supposed to go from 0-16 to 7-8-1 to a Super Bowl. There's a step in there you're skipping. That's expectation. That's a second-year quarterback trying to overcome. That's a crummy offensive line. These are things that you have to overcome if you're the Cleveland Browns. They have to figure out a way to do that. And until they do that, well, it's always going to be on the cusp. And there's going to be games where they get stoned out, where they get beaten by a group of veterans, and they need to go back in the drawing board because that step is where they have to learn how to work. But I can't stand it that the Dolphins are going to do the same thing. So they'll take Tua Tagovailoa or they'll take Trevor Lawrence coming up here in another year. And since they haven't had a quarterback since Dan Marino, and those fans have been sitting through probably 0-16 this year because they're not even trying to win, or at least 1-15, and maybe even another year of being terrible, and trading away all these guys that could be valuable players like Laramie Tunsil because you'd want to protect your quarterback, but who the hell am I? Four picks for just good ideas because you've bought into that because you're a fan. You're immediately going to throw your lot in with that, and it is going to turn the pressure up so greatly on Miami. You can already see it. That's why I have to admire Kansas City. Kansas City went to the playoffs. They traded up for Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes an MVP. You want to talk about deserving it? There's no room for actually deserving it in pro football. We know that. But if you were going to make a case, Kansas City's the case. They tried to win. Their fans were in. They tried to get better. Their fans were in. They got better. Their fans are still in. You don't need to lose in the NFL. The Browns did it, and the Browns are being used as a blueprint by other teams now. The Browns. That's a scary scenario to me. But the Browns' problem to me isn't simple. There's many, many facets of it, but it does boil down to one thing. You have faces You need leaders. The only thing that's going to create leaders is you learning from something like what happened on Monday, where you got embarrassed on national television by a team with more vets, by a team with better coaching, with a team with more experienced coaching. And if more of that stays the same, I know Jason Lockenfora is an insider, and Jason Lockenfora had a very stable head on his shoulders, a very level head. But that's a long two weeks, and we get awfully bored here, and we like to talk about things that get us going, and you know they'll start pointing fingers at old Freddie, and they'll start pointing fingers at John, and they'll start talking about some crazy things because it's not just a bye week for the Cleveland Browns. Then you got to get ready to go to Gillette. Eight five five two one two four cbs Up next, five burning questions. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This 
This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. Here we go, friends. Hick, take it away. All right, Kenny. So tomorrow we have a nice match between the Eagles. Five burning questions, by the way. And Vikings. Yes, it is. That's what it's called. That's what the segment's called. Five burning questions. Because <laughs> I realize I realize that it's you know it's written there and it's like, oh wait a minute, it doesn't say it, so I have to say it. Welcome to five burning questions. So like I said, with the Eagles and Vikings, but the trash talk started already on Friday. Eagles linebacker Zach Brown was former teammates with Kirk Cousins back in Washington and had some harsh words for his former teammate, saying, "Quote." Cousins, I think every defense is going to want that guy to throw the ball. For me, that's probably the weakest part of their offense is him. Everything else is good. They got a good running game, probably one of the best in the league. They have a real they have real good receivers. You just want them to pass the ball. You want Kirk Cousins to get it into his hands. I realized when I was in Washington, he was kind of careless with the ball. But at the same time, hey, you make the bed you sleep in. End quote. To be fair, Cousins has posted his best T D to interception ratio against the uh, against the Eagles, excuse me throwing for 17 touchdowns to only five interceptions. But will this trash talk hurt or help Kirk Cousins on Sunday? I think, uh, does it matter? Does it really matter? Hickey, it's a good question, and I think it gets people going. Does motivation really matter? If you're better, then you're better. You get what I'm saying here, bud? But to me, the reason why I ask is Kirk Cousins, it's different. He has his talent. He shows it. He's but, really going to try now. He's really going to try to beat the Eagles now. Like, I, I don't think any of that matters. Like, I, I'm sorry. I, just bringing it local again. After the Monday night game, I couldn't believe this. Well, you know, San Francisco had no plan for Baker Mayfield and the Browns. They were sitting there a half an hour before the game, scratching their heads, going, oh, my God, this guy's going to throw for 500, tu- 500 yards and, and five touchdowns. And then Nick Bosa remembered that Baker Mayfield planted a flag two years ago, and all of a sudden they were able to stop him. Like, I, I don't know if motivation is real in the NFL. In college football, I think it is. But be- motivation in the NFL, it's like, eh, if you're better, you're, you're better, and usually you win when you're better. There are teams that take weeks off, and maybe it's the Browns. But uh, I don't know if I'm, I, I just don't think it. It might be a little bit of a factor, Hickey, I'm sorry, but I don't think it's anywhere near as much as it is in high school football and college. No, that's fair, and I agree with you with motivation. I was, I guess the, I did a poor job, but the angle I was trying to go for is, like, we know the block yeah. Kirk Cousins has with good teams. Can this, like, somehow unlock his brain, like, make him more like I don't know. It's like, do you – I guess I guess the answer to that is no, but that's what I was trying to go for. <laughs> See, they're like, if this could anyway somehow unlock his brain to somehow remember he's a good football player when he plays against other – you know, quality opponents. So he needs this clown to make him unlock his brain I to remember? Know. I mean, what is, He's got you know, a, nothing's so basically, the past. So this trash talk is his own little vision quest. Like, he just did a great big bowl of peyote, and away he goes. I mean, throughout his whole career, he's had the same issues. So maybe this could be the thing that changes that. <laughs> I don't know. I, that's what I was asking you. Obviously, you don't feel any different, which is fair. Uh, no, I, I don't. If... If Kirk Cousins sucks on Sunday, then he's going to continue to suck on Sunday. And I don't think that all of a sudden a motivated Kirk Cousins. If Kirk Cousins plays well, that's going to be one of the things. Well, he was motivated. He was motivated. It's not. He just played well. He's got some talent. I don't think he's the greatest ever, but he's got talent. So let's let's stop with the craziness here. I love you, Hick. I love you, babe. But I just, uh, no. Okay. That's no problem. All I'm trying to do here is generate some conversation. That is all. Well, of course. I'm not saying it was a bad question. I bet there's plenty of people who disagree with me. Most people would be wrong. Okay. All right. I got your back. Away we go. Okay. College football, four ranked matchups today. Really, the schedule Mm -hmm. kind of turns around 
after a few off weeks. So number six going on right now, number six, Oklahoma, 10.5-point favorites over number 11, Texas. Mm. Number one, Alabama, traveling to number 24, Texas A&M. Alabama, 17.5-point favorites. Penn State, traveling to number 17, Iowa. You always find a way to put Penn State in there. Penn State, Iowa is not any one of those matchups. Stop. Three-point favorites. And Florida, number seven in the nation, going to Death Valley to take on number five LSU as the Tigers are 13.5-point oh favorites. So which team of those four favorites, Oklahoma, Alabama, Penn State, or LSU, are most on upset alert? Penn State, because they're not as good as the other ones. And Iowa does play good football. I love how you threw Penn State. You had to throw Penn they State are playing, in there. They Just are ranked team. Mention, mention those ranked others. Team. Mention those other mention those other favorites. Please do it again. I'm not trying to compare Penn State to these guys, but Oklahoma, Texas, Alabama. Yeah, that's what you just did. Texas Oklahoma, Texas, and Alabama. Texas A&M and Florida, LSU. Texas A&M, Florida, LSU. Oh, and Penn State, Iowa. Oh, I forgot I'm about not, Penn State, it Iowa. It is a fact. It is a fact that Penn State is ranked. It's a fact oh, that Iowa God. is ranked, and they're playing oh, wow. each other on the same day. As that's great. Three other games that feature ranked opponents taking on ranked opponents. And we haven't had that that much in college football so far with the extra bye week this there's year. No other ranked, there's no other ranked opponent versus ranked opponent? There's Is four that games. A- that's it. Mm, I think you could have left it at three. But, yeah, Penn State is on the most uh, upset alert. Yeah. Okay. 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 Is that home or away for Penn State? Uh, that is on the road at Iowa, which is why oh, it's really interesting. Mm, it's buddy. interesting. Mm, right. Speaking of mm, interesting. Hmm. Right. We have a great matchup of young quarterbacks this weekend in the NFL. Deshaun Watson taking on Patrick Mahomes for the first time ever. You remember going back to the 2017 NFL Draft, Mahomes went 10th overall. Watson was taken two spots later by the Texans at 12th. Holmes won the MVP last year, made it to the AFC title game when he lost to the Patriots in overtime. Watson, you remember, exploded out of the scene back in 2017. Probably would have won rookie of the year if he didn't get hurt. And mm-hmm. then got his team to an AFC South title last year. So can Mahomes and Watson become the next Brady-Manning matchup? Yes, absolutely. I, I think that I think Deshaun Watson might be, he might be the most underrated young quarterback in the NFL. Uh, and part of that is because J.J. Watt is a megastar and, and does all those good works. So there, there is a little bit that plays into that there where Mahomes is the face of the franchise with the Kansas City Chiefs. But I, th- I think it could very well be on its way. Uh, Deshaun Watson getting back from the injury, playing very good football. He's, he's shown an ability to be able to bounce back from bad losses, which is one of those things that you have to go after because he had a really rough day a couple of weeks ago. They bounced back. He had a nice day. They ended up winning. You have to be able to do that. And Mahomes, I, I don't know if any, I don't know if that guy can do anything. Patrick, I should hate Patrick Mahomes. I love Patrick Mahomes now. I was skeptical of him going in, so that's why I should hate him. But Kansas City's done this the right way, every way you look at it. They've done this so well, every every single way you slice it. So I should hate Patrick Mahomes because he makes quarterbacking so easy, but with the way they've done it over there in Kansas City, it's remarkable. I think that this very well could be the next great matchup in the AFC, certainly if Baker doesn't get his act together. Next. We'll squeeze in a little baseball. NLCS got kicked off last night. How about Anibal Sanchez taking a no-hitter with two outs in the eighth inning before it got broken up as the Nationals take game one over the Cardinals 2-0. ALCS kicks off tonight. Astros will start with Zach Greinke. Yankees will counter with Masahiro Tanaka. So who will we see in the World Series? I don't care about that. I want to talk about something else here. Okay. You ready? Take it. What's the situation about the closer not not pitching because of uh, paternity leave? 
Oh, you don't like that, huh? Did you see? No, 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 no. I want more information. Now, you have a Nationals, you have a Nationals reliever who was out because of paternity leave. Anthony Lima shared this with me. So I think that's even spicier of a five burning question. Uh, fine, I'll say the Yankees and Washington Nationals. There you go. But okay, but yeah, what I do can, you want to ask? Change it. What do you want to ask? So Daniel yeah, Hudson you said, it. "Miss Game One for paternity leave. Do you agree with missing Game One of the NLCS uh, to watch your son or daughter be born?" Is it his first kid? I don't believe so. Let me double check. It's not his first kid. We stand by to see whether or not it's his first child. It was the third child, excuse me. It was the third. I can't share my opinion on this because I'll be ostracized by social media. You can already tell, can't you? Let it out, Ken. Come on. This is what five, we're burning questions here. Burn it up. Burn up the airwaves. No, nah, because they were able to still take care of their business. I have to think. You know, I, I had to think better about it. My first blush is. If it's the third kid, I, but I know I come from a different situation than a lot of other people do. Liz does not mind. Our first one was born during the NBA finals. The second one was born during the world series. And it was just like being on air and Liz did not care. It was like, fine. If you got to do it, you got to do it. I don't care. She did not care. I know people in society make a big deal about that. Was it for the birth the actual birth of the child, you know, leaving the uh, the, the body of yes. the mother? Yes. Fine. Because if anything goes right, you want to be there. And certainly if anything goes wrong, you should be there too. Okay, fine. I guess he's right. Wow. Reverse course on that one. You, well, you, you got to think these things through for a second. Because first blush, I'm going, well, what are you doing? It's the third kid. But, you know, if things... God forbid, if something were to go, you know, not where you want it to go, you got to be there for it. So, I understand. I understand that. Fine. We'll see what Lima says coming up at 2 Eastern. Next! All right, we'll wrap up with this. This morning, one of the most incredible athletic feats was accomplished in Austria. Kenya's Olympic champion, Eliud Kipchoge, ran the world's first ever sub-two-hour marathon, clocking in at one hour, 59 minutes, and 40 seconds. That averages out to a 4-minute, 34-second minute-mile pace. He broke his own world record that he set back in Berlin on September 2018, which was 2 hours, 1 minute, and 39 seconds. Is this the greatest athletic accomplishment ever, ever? Boy, that's really up there, isn't it? How fast? 4.34 mile. I mean, it's such a, it's such a huge thing to do. Yeah, I would have to say so, right? When you're talking about, like, there's things that people do in sports, like in a game, that you would do that. So I would say fine. But, like, okay, if you hit a bunch of home runs in a season, it's hitting a bunch of home runs in a season. If you do something physically like that, yeah, that's impressive. I say you're right. Right. You don't have to be physically gifted or athletically gifted to hit a home run. You just have to be coordinated enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like there's guys like, okay, Don Larson in the World Series, a perfect game. You can go out and pitch a perfect game if you're not the greatest ever. Don Larson was not the greatest pitcher ever and went out and pitched a perfect game. That's an historically great feat. But is it more impressive than what he just did? I don't think so. There's genetics. There's evolution that plays into this. 
there's obviously tons and tons of hard work now. Can I say something else that you're not going to like? Sure. I have to wonder. I have to wonder. Don't. Don't. You, you, oh, yes, you do. I told you about this with Usain Bolt. If you're able to basically turn around and, and gloat to the people you're beating who are, again, the fastest people in the history of man and all that, I have to wonder. I have to. Lance Armstrong ripped seven off in a row, and we had to wonder, and then guess what happened? Sorry. I have to. It's my job. I have to wonder. I have to be skeptical. I'm, I hope that he did it right. Boy, Hickey, you forced me into some hot takes. I, I You know, I heard the burning questions. I'm trying to live, you know, have my questions live up to the name. Stay Thirsty says, Ken, you left your show for your third kid being born. <laughs> that, was a, that was a show. That was a radio show. That wasn't that wasn't where everybody needed me. I would hope that Anthony Lima would be able to handle the final two hours of a Friday show because I had to go for my kid being born. And thank you very much for listening, Gio. Also, um, one hundred twenty-eight thousand ounces. Don't take that stance, Ken. You know where that goes. Mm-hmm. That's why I had to think that one out. I'm glad I did think that one out. You see what happens there, Hick? I just love comparing Game One of the NLCS having the same importance and impact as a as a Friday show, as I a sports that. talk radio show on a Friday in May. Exactly. It was May tenth. Exactly. It was May tenth. <laughs> hey, can you hypocrite? I remember I was listening. You left midway through the Friday show doing? on May thirteenth because your third son was born. It was May tenth, Polly. May thirteenth was that Monday, and then later on, I took a week off. Nah, when you think about it, you got to be there in case something goes right. You got to be there, and certainly in case something goes wrong. Boy, I'm glad I thought that one out. I'm glad I was able to remove my head from my ass before I put my head in my ass. Thank you very much, Higgy, for giving me a minute to think about that. 855-2124-CBS. Coming up next, speaking of couples that had kids, I loathe these two. And, well, you know what? When you think about it, you have a ton of cash. You shape the lives of young people. Thousands worship you every Saturday. Why the hell would you throw it all away to coach on Sunday? It's Ken Carmen. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. It's time to slaughter a sacred cow, which I think Hickey actually agrees with me. Coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern, we do have the uh, Week 6 preview. I said this on Twitter a few days ago. I am uh, I am a fan of the show. I enjoy The Office. Complex Magazine back on October 8th. Wrote, the Halperts got married 10 years ago today. Congrats to Jim and Pam. And the storyline bothers me because my favorite part of The Office when it comes to Jim and Pam are when they show Karen and Roy's lives were shown to be significantly better once they were both done with Jim and Pam. I think Jim and Pam are awful separately. I think Jim and Pam are awful together. I think they're even worse together. And I think they leech off of anybody who's ever come close to them. And they are a soul-sucking, horrific couple. They are soul-sucking, horrific people separately. And everybody who is hoodwinked and bamboozled by their relationship should actually start to watch the show again and pay attention to Phyllis and Bob Vance. Pay attention to Michael and Heidi. But Phyllis and Bob Vance is where it's at. Two middle-aged people getting together later in life. Bob Vance paying $1,000 to hug his own wife in a charity auction. 
Bob Vance and Phyllis Vance sneaking off to the bathroom in a restaurant to have some sex while Jim and Pam are waiting to probably try to ruin their lives. Middle-aged people sneaking off together in marriage to go get a quickie in in the bathroom at a restaurant. I haven't seen that much love and affection in the mix of love and lust since my own parents. What an incredible showing of love. And you people want Jim and Pam? You want Jim and you want to tell me that the show, by the way, is brilliant. Let, let's not let's not get this mixed up. We argue about these people as if they're real people, these characters as if they're real people. The writing, and I will defend season nine, I'll defend everything. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant, groundbreaking television show. I can't believe NBC ever even thought about canceling it before it was at the end of its run. I can't believe the the NBC executives ever actually tried to do it. But when I really break down Jim and Pam, think about this for a moment. I, I, I I want you to hear me out before you get mad and say that I'm full of it and that I don't like real love or whatever. Look at Jim for a second. Jim's a slacker. Jim is a loser. When you really break it down, Jim is too smart for his own good. Or the worst part about it, Jim really isn't even that smart. He lacks common sense. But boy, Jim thinks he is smart, doesn't he? Because Dwight calls it out. Dwight says, oh, a little comment. Now I'll look into the camera. Like he did when he dressed up like Jim when he was doing the impression of Jim. The only thing Jim likes to do is bother Dwight, who's actually a good salesperson, is an asset to the company, and actually as the owner of the building that... Dunder Mifflin was in, and actually as a manager, did a good job. Yes, a gun went off. I understand that. I know that Michael Scott did some stupid things as a manager as well, including burning his own feet on a George Foreman grill. But he never had a mutiny the way that Jim caused when he decided to show everybody's birthday at the same time. Jim Halpert was about one thing, Jim Halpert. And by the way, if you love Pam that much, if you really love Pam, how about how about facing Roy man to man instead of turning your back and getting weirded out and being nervous anytime Roy, who was definitely the alpha male around there, showed up. And I know you think that Roy's a bad guy. Well, let's speak about Roy for a moment. A guy who lost his jet skis with his brothers, a guy who lost his job, lost his way of life. He did t- he did take Pam for granted. He absolutely did. He got a DUI afterwards, and then what shown? With a woman who really likes him, who really respects him, and doesn't drag him down with his with her overall sense of sadness. Roy went on to be a successful businessman with a good marriage and great children. It's amazing, isn't it? Because we always say it, behind every good man is an even better woman. And when Roy found a better woman, what happened to Roy? Jim's not blameless in this. Because that was an immediate answer I got. Pam's the worst, Ken, but Jim's still good. Oh, he is, is he? The paper salesman who didn't really want the responsibility to be a manager because he really couldn't handle it, and he couldn't come to grips that he couldn't handle it. And more on that in just a moment. The guy who decided to, instead of go and chase his dream job back in earlier seasons, he decided to get a transfer to Connecticut because he couldn't stand to be around Pam because Pam and Roy were together because he didn't have the stones, he didn't have the pills to go tell Roy how he really felt about it. Didn't have the stones or the pills to really tell Pam how he felt and fight for the woman he claimed he loved. So what did he do? He goes off to Connecticut and starts a relationship with a woman he really doesn't love. And then when he's transferred back, he decides to continue that relationship. 
knowing that he's not in love, knowing how this is going to end, you have a woman who uproots herself and her entire way of living. For who? For Jim, not for the job. She could take or leave Dunder Mifflin. She did it for the job. She did it for him, not for the job. And what does he do? Tries to go back to Pam. Continues to fall back in love with Pam. Well, Ken, they just can't help from be apart from one another. I'm not going to let Jim escape from his own spineless cowardice throughout the entire show. And then right when they're ever married, and of course they have children together, and they have the house, and Pam loves the house because it was one of the houses they grew up with, or one of those other garbage storylines that they want to throw out there. Jim decides that now he's got his dream girl. He has his house with his two kids and his mortgage and, and, and a pretty fine career. It's just not enough. So he decides to go to Philadelphia and start athlete. By the way, that was built off the hard work, sweat, and determination of Daryl, who started out with a lower paying job, who worked his way all the way up to the manager of the warehouse, who had to fight for that job, coming from meager, meager backgrounds compared to where Jim was. Because remember, Jim was one of the kids in the gifted class because there was that one kid he wouldn't play with anymore because mom told him that that kid was too dumb to play with, even though Jim grew up to be a real successful paper salesman. Good thing you're in those gifted classes, Jimbo. We need more Dunder Mifflin paper salesmen in the world. Don't have enough doctors. Don't have enough good doctors that can help out across the world. We need more paper salesmen, Jim. Maybe I should blame it more on the mother. Daryl, who doesn't have a wife, who is estranged from his ex-girlfriend. I don't believe that Daryl was ever married. I could be wrong about that. Who has a child with her that he has to fight for custody with in previous episodes and previous seasons. Puts it on the line and goes to Philadelphia first and builds it from the ground up. Meanwhile, Jim needs to work out his problems with Pam. Meanwhile, Jim needs to get everything sorted out because Jim doesn't want to be a grown-up anymore. Jim wants to go chase his dreams where he really could have in previous seasons, but he just wasn't ready for that permanence. He didn't He didn't think he had it up in him. So he decided to leave his wife and small children and mortgage and go to Philadelphia and leave her alone with the camera guy to start an emotional affair with him. If Jim was your son, what would you say to Jim? I know what my father would do if I just, you know, I just... I don't know if Cleveland's it for me. I, I think I need to leave Lizzie and, and Axel and Eli and Jonah, and I think I need to go and, and follow my dreams. My dad would come over with a ball bat. Jim is everything that is soulless and wrong with our generation, and Pam's right there with him, dragging everybody down around them, being a leech on society, both with dreams that don't really know how to take care of it. And you could say it's it's Americana because there's plenty of people like that. And I think that's why plenty of people in our generation love Jim and Pam so much because there's a lot of things that they share with them. But when you really look inside, people think Dwight Schrute's a bad guy. Dwight Schrute kept the family farm going. He takes care of his cousin Mose. He fights for his child. He's not perfect. Nobody is. He fights for the son that is his. And he tries to do the right thing. He's built the building blocks of success financially as well as becoming a good person overall. He's made Angela, who was a horrible individual throughout most of the season, a better person in the end. Michael Scott goes from outright boob to maybe one of the most lovable characters in television history. Meanwhile, Jim and Pam get progressively worse. 
If they were real people, I would tell you this and I would hope this. Jim and Pam have found financial success separately. Jim and Pam are probably both problem drinkers who like to have boyfriends because they've definitely been divorced, and then they force that upon their children that they have, that they would say that their new mom and dad, that they come around every so often because they're always dating new people, are better than their previous mom and dad, ruining the children for the future and basically doing the same thing that Pam's parents did to her. The greatest show in television history. The worst two characters ever devised. Walter White looks like Danny Tanner compared to Jim Halpert. You tell me I'm wrong, America. Ryan, your thoughts? Wow, there was a lot to unpack there. I agree. I agree with you in this. In the progression Yes, both Jim and Pam get way worse as the seasons go on. I think they start out very lovable, especially when those two are separated. I do actually enjoy Jim's, you know, digs and um, his interactions. I didn't with say Dwight. he's not funny. I didn't say he's not no, funny. I know. I'm, I'm just, but I'm saying I just, you know, I, I agree. Even you know later on in the season, those hijinks I still find funny. But you're right. I mean, as the seasons go on and as they get into the relationship, married with kids, they both just get worse. They both get kind of selfish and sketchy. And you're right. I think mm-hmm. your example, too, of um, Phyllis and Bob Vance, the ultimate relationship example that you should strive for. Everybody, well, Bob Vance is running the Vance refrigeration as a money laundering front because he's really mobbed up. So what? He does what's best for the family. He does what's best for Phyllis. He still he paid $1,000 for a hug or whatever Bingo. It was. Yeah, he paid $1,000 for a hug. You won't even pay the Denny's moons over my hammy for a nice breakfast with your wife. You guys are going to come at Bob Vance for paying a thousand bucks for a hug? Please. You won't even spring for the Applebee's two for 20. 855-2124-CBS. You got a problem with that? You come at me, America. Up next, a week six NFL preview. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.